in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And more people have died there than in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Darfur combined. The most frequent targets of this hidden war are women. It is, in fact, a war against women. And the weapon used to destroy them, their families, and whole communities is rape. This is Bukavu, capital of the South Kivu province of the Democratic Republic of Congo, and home to over 800,000 people. Rape and sexual violence are a problem here as a result of years of war, corruption, and a lack of engagement. This is Karin Weiss and welcome to the Medicus Mundi Switzerland Health for All podcast. And today we talk with Ashi Bapolisi, who is a Congolese medical doctor and trained in psychiatry who did his training in Uganda while taking care of refugees in a camp. He came back in 2018 to Bukavu, his native town in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and has since then worked as a psychiatrist in the General Hospital. He's currently in Belgium writing his PhD. Hi, Agile. Thank you so much for being my guest at the Medicus Mundi Switzerland Health for All podcast today. Welcome to this episode. Hi, Karin. Thanks for having me. You are one of three psychiatrists in Bukavu, a city with more than one million people. Why did you become a psychiatrist? My journey to become a psychiatrist began in 2014. So I was in internal medicine in Bukavu. Bukavu is a town affected by war. I remember that at that time, I began to remark that most of my patients uh, consulting in internal medicine were suffering also from mental health problems. There was no psychiatrist around to take care of them. Most of them were having depression or PTSD, sometimes uh, somatic symptoms, masking, uh, mental health problems. So I do remember that during my uh, medical training, I was interested in neurosciences and psychology. So uh, on that time, it made sense for me that I should be a psychiatrist because it's hugely needed in my country and it also fed my my aspiration, my vocation as a medical doctor. That is how I began my journey uh, in, the training, in being trained as a psychiatrist. You are one in three psychiatrists in Bukavu. Is it so unpopular in your country to become a psychiatrist? Yes, actually it is unpopular. And I think it's mainly because of two reasons. The first one is about stigmatization. When usually people talk about stigmatization, they do refer to experience of patients. But I think that it's larger than that because mental health is stigmatized. People don't want to think about mental health. It's really stigmatized. I do remember the first time that I told my colleagues that I'm planning to go and do psychiatry. Most of them were surprised. Like uh, they didn't understand how that uh, I left internal medicine to do psychiatry. And the second reason is also about uh, in my country, psychiatrists are not well paid. There is not a lot of money put uh, in psychiatry and mental health in general. So uh, medical doctors are not motivated to go and do psychiatry. I think that those are the reasons why uh, psychiatry is not so popular in my country. You mentioned two reasons why it is rather unpopular. What could be the solution to solve this unbalanced training in psychiatry or in psychology? 
what we need actually it's like people being more and more aware of the need of mental health as a way to solve many problems in Congo and in the world. Sometimes they do refer to mental health like politically, but when it's about putting money, when it's about of putting uh, resources uh, in there to help having trained practitioners, to have good hospitals to take care of patients, there are very few donors there and the government in Congo is not uh, investing a lot of money in there. So I think that uh, people must be aware of that and must be aware of that all the things that are not going well uh, in Congo. Most of them are like, for example, economical situation, uh, safety, peace projects. Somehow, it, they are strongly related to the mental health of the, of the population there. And uh, people on the level of the government, of the, of the level of the population must be aware of that. It is very important. When we first met in 2018, you were based in Uganda in a refugee camp. What kind of patients did you counsel? So uh, on that time, I was a really very uh, significant experience as uh, a psychiatrist and also as a human being, because on that time, I was treating mainly refugees. So those were refugees coming from nine different countries in Africa, including DRC, of course, but also Somalia, uh, Sudan, Rwanda, Burundi, Eritrea, Kenya, and, and Liberia. So that was a very rich experience in terms of the military cultural uh, situation of those refugees, but also in terms of their own experiences, traumatic experiences. It helped me to grow as a psychiatrist, uh, to have a larger view of what needs to be done, even in the term of humanitarian level, uh, as far as mental health is concerned. Why did I end up in a refugee camp and why did they need psychological support? Actually, most of those refugees experienced many traumatic events in their own countries. Like there were many countries in Africa who were in war or who uh, had been in war in the recent uh, years before that time. So they came, they end up in Uganda because uh, Uganda is still the, uh, one of the welcoming countries for refugees. Actually, it's welcome a lot of refugees over uh, Africa. So they had all those very, very bad experiences like rape, tortures, uh, being kidnapped, being tortured. So they had all those experiences uh, coming from their own countries. And also they were um, telling me uh, about their journey uh, before they reached Uganda. And even uh, when they were staying in the camp, they had also opportunities uh, to being re-traumatized many times. So most of them were presenting symptoms of PTSD, uh, symptoms of depressions, sometimes uh, complex features which were quite psychotic. So uh, in terms of pathophysiology, they were presenting very disturbing symptoms. And can you share a success story of a patient which recovered from a trauma he or she experienced? Actually, I got many rich experiences there with patients. I came to know people who were 
quite heroic in their lives uh, with their families who were trying to give the, uh, the best of from themselves despite the fact that they went through the worst situation you can ever imagine. One of them that come uh, in my mind right now, it's uh, one of a woman, actually a woman who was raped uh, in her own, own country and that happened when uh, all her uh, family was witnessing when she was being raped uh, and by the time i saw her like it was three years after that rape she she was deeply uh, depressed uh, with severe symptoms of ptsd and mostly she got actually um, a child from that rape so uh, the boy was almost three year and a half when I saw them. So she was completely uh, unwell. Even the family, there was a big dysfunction in their relationships. They were barely speaking to each other when I saw them. It was one also, also, clinically speaking, one of the most challenging situations that I came across. Uh, I was uh, young uh, as a psychiatrist, uh, almost inexperienced. Unex so uh, we tried to, to do what we could with um, the resources that we had on that time. So we got a pharmaceutical um, treatment, individual psychotherapy, and also uh, a family therapy. That therapy went uh, on for quite, uh, I think, almost two years. For me, she's really, really heroic because by at the end of the treatment, she was willing to go back to school. She had a healthier relationship with herself, with her child, and with her family. For me, it was an illustration a, um, or, or a concretization of what is best known uh, actually in scientific term in terms of resilience. I even got a letter from her, uh, it was three months ago, and telling me how well she's trying to, to carry on with her life. She has a new relationship uh, uh, with her fiancé and she's still going to school. So there are so many of those experiences coming from our patients who, as I said, are very heroic. And I think that in one way, they are the ones who are giving us the strength to carry on uh, in our job. Yeah, I just thought that gives a lot of strength. This is really impressive. And I was wondering, how do you cope with all these difficult stories? It is very difficult. It's one of the most difficult things that I think that someone can do because uh, when you spend your time hearing those stories, uh, trying to be there, uh, it's so challenging for you like a psychiatrist but also like a human being. And mostly uh, when you are coming also from the same context, when uh, somehow those things happen to you or to your family or can happen to your family or can happen to you, it's like uh, you are getting also traumatized and one of the things that I've learned is really to take care of myself. One of the things that I do actually is to be in touch with some of my seniors, colleagues, 
to debrief after each story, uh, which was particularly challenging for me. It's one of the things also, uh, that I do is to be in touch with some kind of beauty uh, in life. I am also a Christian. Uh, I pray a lot. I, I feel like I'm connected to something uh, beautiful, something most stronger, something more uh, peaceful. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, I, as a Christian, I call it God. I know that many people have different ways to relate to it, but it also helped me a lot. I think that also we have to be uh, aware of those small things that are happening around us. Uh, people who are showing us a lot of generosity, strength of character, even uh, our patients. All those small things that remind us good people can be despite of what is happening in their lives. You came back to Bukavu at the end of 2018. How was the experience in coming back to your country? Bukavu, it's a very complex place to live in because although there is no formal war going there, there is that climate of not being safe. Every now and then people are being killed, kidnapped in Bukavu. Uh, after a certain time in the evening, you cannot go out uh, if you don't have a car. So uh, in the hospital, we do receive people who were attacked by soldiers, by other people. So it's not safe there. Inside of that, a lot of poverty, economical poverty, and the population uh, is uh, traumatized there. It was very difficult for me. Uh, it is still very difficult for me working in that environment. But the saddest thing is actually mental health is not supported as much as it should uh, in those, that, that context. There are times when I feel powerless uh, in that environment. That is my experience. But we are keeping doing what we can. Uh, hopefully we are going to find a way to move things from there. Yes, I remember Bukavu very well because I used to live there for about six weeks supporting a survey and I also remember that I had to watch out for my own safety. What does that mean for women in, in general in Bukavu? Actually, I think that uh, in general, women are more vulnerable uh, in uh, the context of armed conflicts. Actually, there is that sad reputation of Bukavu and of Eastern uh, Democratic of Congo, uh, like being one of the worst places in the world for a woman to live in, because there were those statistics of rape, all those stories. And I think that that is the reason why they gave Tam Kwege a Nobel Prize in his work, uh, working with people people who were raped. And I also think that yeah, in some villages, actually, there are some places when women were raped systematically. Apart from that, there is also the aftermath of war, like the poverty, the inefficacy of healthcare that indirectly affects women. So um, it is very difficult for women to live in Bukavu. And as far as we have to assist people, we have to give specific care in women, specific space for them to express themselves, as is not easy for them. Are more women coming to your uh, clinic in the General Hospital in Bukavu or also men? 
most of them are women. Of course, we have also men coming. Most of them are women. I think that there is two reasons of them. Maybe uh, there are some risk factors, as I was saying, uh, sexual assaults, also those vulnerability due to their position in the society. But I think that maybe there is also a cultural thing uh, around it because in our context, it's even easier to a woman to come and to report if she's not doing well. Most of the time, uh, men are supposed, according to the culture, to not complaining about what they are feeling. And I think that's, that's maybe one of the reasons why men are more affected by taking alcohol or using substances because uh, they are denying what they are feeling. Uh, all the experience uh, they went through. So, but there is a difference between men and women. Women uh, came mostly in my clinic more than men, actually. And how could we change the situation so that men would take up more responsibility for their own lives, for their emotions and their behavior so that the cycle of violence and rape could be stopped? One of the things uh, that we need to do actually is to have all people talking about what they feel, what they are experiencing. That must be done in each level of the society. That must be done in schools. That must be done in families. That must be done uh, in churches. That must be done in the radio, in the society. Uh, I think that people must talk about their feelings, about what they are observing, feeling, how they are reacting. And uh, that will help a lot of thing, people because when people are not talking about it, they are sometimes unconsciously reproducing the same uh, cycle of trauma where without knowing it they are perpetrators of trauma without knowing it they are having those uh, behavior that actually entertain that vicious circle we i think that we have to put words uh, in what people f are feeling and that's going to increase awareness about uh, mental problems and we have now a pandemic which hit us quite hard. How did the COVID-19 pandemic affect the mental health status of your community of Bukavu? That's a very nice question because when we do speak about COVID-19 pandemic, I usually be told that, you know, Bukavu is not affected as where some towns in Europe or uh, in America. But uh, one thing that people tend to, uh, to forget is uh, at the beginning of pandemic, when we were watching uh, all those people dying with a lot of emotion, all those people dying in Italy, for example, or in America or in France, uh, we are seeing all, all, all those people dying and there were many uh, and that was so impressive. But I do remember sometimes some experts uh, were saying that, you know what, save your tears for Africa because people are dying here, but what will happen in Africa will be worse than anything that you have ever imagined. And like an African, we were watching those things and we were hearing those statements and people got afraid. That had a very big impact in, in their mental health. And I do remember when I, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was receiving many patients, actually, many patients coming with a acute stress reaction, a lot of apprehension. And what was also particular is that 
even medical doctors and nurses were apprehending that moment when the pandemic would reach there and they know that they cannot trust the health system which is not good enough and anyway the uh, better health system are failing in Europe so I, 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 I think that the mental health impact of COVID-19 was worse than the uh, pandemic itself uh, in Africa. One of the manifestations of uh, trauma somehow is a kind of paranoia. People fearing everything. And maybe the resistance that people are um, showing against vaccination, it may be one of the signs of traumatization. Like we, we are not trusting anyone because we have been affected a lot by wars, by all those things. So we, we are not going to accept uh, those vaccines and they are going to tend to accept those conspiracy theoretical. And that's also something that needs to be addressed in terms of mental health. You mentioned that people lack the awareness of mental health and do not know how to cope with all these emotions. What could be beneficial for communities to learn basic coping skills and to open up and to seek help? Actually, I think uh, one of my vision of uh, taking care of uh, mental health problems in Africa, I think that what we need to be is to help the community to take care of their own issues, to be talking about what they feel, to be seeing what kind of resources they have in terms of resilience resources, how they can take care to each other, how they can help each other the resources in terms of telling stories, in terms of helping people who were attacked. It is very, very important of the community to be, to, to be aware that they are very powerful about preventing mental health problems. We need also to have professionals, people who can help them to phrase things in the term of that may help them to get better. We need people, we need psychiatrists, psychologists, we need mental health professionals to help them to, to cope with all those things that are not obvious to talk about when they are alone and who somehow are still uh, unconscious. And you mentioned the poverty in your country. And in my country, in Switzerland, psychiatrists are very expensive. But health insurance is supporting the patient. How is the financial situation in your country? In my country, most of the patients are not able to afford their care. And we don't have insurance and the government is not uh, involved in the care in general and even less in mental health. If you see the budget of my country, less than 1% is directed in uh, health. Even in that very difficult time of uh, COVID-19 pandemics, uh, medical doctors are not paid. Uh, in general, and psychiatrists uh, even more because uh, sometimes they are paid by patients, but uh, it's going to be easier for a patient to pay, for example, when he has, he needs uh, a surgical intervention, but when he needs a psychotherapy or psychiatric care, it's going to be very difficult for them to pay for that, to sustain paying for that. And since mental health patients are also one of the poor in the society, it's even more complicated for them uh, if they don't have help. Uh, I think that also psychiatrists need 
a lot of time spending uh, with one patient. So in terms of comparing how much they are earning uh, with also with others uh, practitioners uh, like uh, in internal medicine or surgery, they are the less paid. So it is very difficult to have a department of psychiatry which will be effective, which will have um, a lot of resources. I think that we need uh, a lot of support. We need a lot of support. I think that many uh, NGOs came uh, in Africa with mental health programs, which were on and off according to the project, according to the context. But what really needs to be done is to support the institution there, to have something that can be sustained uh, over time. I think that it's very difficult for mental health uh, right now. And my fear is... Uh, the more difficult it gets, even the small mental health practitioner that we have may go somewhere else when it's going to, for, to be easier for them and for their family to survive, as that happened in many countries in the world who, was, who were also experiencing the same problem. If you had all the means, what would you do for your country? One of the first things that I will do is to not let uh, mental health being a problem for psychiatrists and solved by psychiatrists. I would like to make it a problem of everyone and each one to be able to talk about it, to be able to talk, to name when something is not going well, uh, to be able to name when they are not feeling well, like uh, to have that uh, that project, that problem, that challenge uh, being um, owned by each one in my country. Also to have many, as many people uh, specializing in that, uh, that's very important uh, fields. Talking about psychologists, I'm talking about social workers, I'm talking about other psychiatric nurses. Uh, uh, I, I will, I think that's also, I will try to have a health system that's uh, integrating completely mental health at each level, at the general hospital, in primary health facilities in university hospitals so it's going to reduce uh, stigmatization at each level so that's what I aiming at uh, and I hope somehow I'll find a way to to do it in my country thank you so much for this very insightful talk and for being my guest at the Medicus Mundi Switzerland Health for podcast today I wish you a lot of success for your future endeavors Thank you, Karin. This was the Medicus Mundi Switzerland Health for All podcast with Karin Weiss. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and on our website. To spread the message, please leave a comment on our website, share and like it. Stay tuned and watch out for the next episode about mental health.